0: Good evening, my friends, and welcome to 62 Horror Movies with Josh Hitchens. That's me, where I'll be your host for a creepy double feature every night throughout the month of October. Come join me, won't you? Tonight is October 16th, my friends, and tonight is Toby Hooper night on 62 horror movies. Our first feature, uh, directed by Toby Hooper, is The Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974, followed by Poltergeist from 1982. Toby Hooper, I think, is Still a very underrated horror director, you know. Uh, I don't think people talk about Toby Hooper in the way they talk about John Carpenter and, or Wes Craven or a lot of the other um, horror directors from the '70s and '80s that became very, very ubiquitous. Um, but I think he is. One of the best horror directors, and there will be a third film of his that we'll see uh, a little later on this month. But we're going to start with The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is his second movie, and the one that put him on the map forever, justly so. Uh, Many people believe it is one of the greatest horror movies ever made, and I would definitely agree with that. It's one of maybe two or three horror movies that I've seen in my life where the opening credits finished and I was just sort of sitting there with my mouth open just stunned in shock. Uh, I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of the few movies that really gets to a level that is truly terror. Not just horror, it's terror. It's a a keener, deeper kind of fear. Um, And Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, was made for a pretty low budget. Uh, It was made for between $80,000 and Um, $140,000. Figures kind of disputed, but it grossed over $30 million. And... Like many of the great horror movies, the making of The Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, in some cases, just as interesting as the movie itself. And before I say any more, I do want to put out there that if you have Shudder, which is the horror streaming service, and if you like horror movies, you should definitely subscribe to Shudder, at least for this month, um me, but one of the great things about Shudder is it has the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs. Joe Bob Briggs, um, of course, had monster vision on TNT in the late 90s, early 2000s that I watched growing up, and it's great to see him on Shudder hosting horror movies. He did a Thanksgiving horror movie marathon for Shudder called Dinners of Death, And the first movie featured in that is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And there is really no one else alive that knows more about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre than Joe Bob Briggs. It's his favorite movie. Um, And he has interviewed every single person connected with the making of it over the years. Really knows absolutely everything about this movie. So really, uh, what you should do is just... Pause this, um, fast forward like 15 minutes, and instead of hearing me talk about Texas Chainsaw, go watch uh, the movie with the commentary, uh, the host segments by Joe Bob Briggs, because he does a far more exacting and exhaustive job of talking about this movie than I could ever hope to do. Um, But like Psycho, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was... Uh, inspired by Ed Gein, the Wisconsin uh, serial murderer who uh, dug up women from their graves, removed their skins to make a skin suit, and had lots of bones and organs around the house, uh, human remains. Uh, So that inspired Norman Bates in Psycho, and here in Texas Chainsaw, it inspires the character of Leatherface, uh, who you're aware of, even if you've never seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you probably know that Leatherface is a thing. Uh, One of the other inspirations for this movie was actually a very political one, uh, in that Toby Hooper was really disgusted by what was going on in America in the late 1960s and early 70s with you know, Watergate and the Vietnam War and, you know, seeing photographs of all the human atrocities committed by Americans during the Vietnam War. Uh, He was just very disturbed and very enraged by what was happening in the country at the time. And so he kind of put all that into this film. And that's also why... The beginning of the film, it says that the movie is based on true events, that you're watching a movie, um, a dramatic rendition of these horrible murders that actually happened, which is not true. Um, This is not a movie based on true events. That's a lie. Um, But that was part of Toby Hooper's point, that he felt like the American public was being lied to so often, um, so often to... instill fear in people that he put it into this movie and because it is a low budget movie it really and was like filmed on location it really does have a verisimilitude to it that a lot of other movies that followed it do not have certainly that the 2003 remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre does not have although I think it does have merit on its own uh another inspiration why Toby Hooper decided that uh, chainsaw would be the murder weapon in this movie is he was actually uh, Toby Hooper was actually waiting in a hardware store in a very very long line and was getting pissed off about it and he uh, was imagining like oh what could he use to get through this? crowd of people very very quickly and he thought of a chainsaw and that's why uh the chainsaw is in the Texas chainsaw massacre um and it's really entered the public consciousness in a really big way uh Toby Hooper uh cast this movie with local actors mostly theater actors at the time um all all of whom were uh, Pretty unknown. Um, Gunnar Hansen plays the role of Leatherface. And he took the role of Leatherface very, very seriously. Very sort of method actor performance. Uh, uh, Gunnar Hansen imagined that Leatherface um, was born uh, mentally deficient. You know, um, had an intellectual disability. And never learned to speak, uh, because he doesn't have any lines in the movie. You hear him like scream and uh, grunt, uh, but no words. So Gunnar Hansen, to prepare for playing the character of Leatherface, actually spent a lot of time visiting a special needs school uh, for special needs children, and watched how they spoke and how they moved and how they interacted with the world, and brought all that to his creation of the character Leatherface and the first time you see Leatherface in this movie is a, a huge huge shock It very very frightening because you're not expecting it to happen when it happens uh, also playing the lead in this movie of Sally Hardesty is an actor named Marilyn Burns who was it really gives an extraordinary performance in this movie especially in the latter half of it as she's you know, terrorized and trying to survive. Um, she's just incredible, you know. Again, I keep coming back to Shelley Duval and The Shining being kind of the gold standard of that kind of sustained terror um in a horror movie. And Marilyn Burns does it here too, in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, I don't understand why she I mean, I guess I understand why she didn't have a bigger career, because this movie was very controversial. But she should have. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant performance. The way in which this movie was made was not comfortable for anyone uh, because they didn't have a lot of money, so they rented all the equipment, all the cameras and lights and all that stuff. So to to maximize what little money they had, uh, they filmed this movie... Seven days a week for up to 16 hours a day and they filmed it on location in Texas when it was a hundred degrees every day and a lot of the movie is filmed in this old creepy house that was you know uh, built around the turn of the 20th century and The costumes could not be washed uh, because they didn't want them to be lost in the laundry or like change color Um, so the actors wore their costumes the entire time without being washed, uh, and, uh, Marilyn Burns later said, uh, in an interview that by the end of filming, the shirt she was wearing was so soaked in fake blood that it was almost solid, like it could have stood up on its own, uh, And because they didn't have a lot of money to, you know, construct, you know, props or whatever, they used the real thing. They got big containers of real animal blood um, and splashed it all over the walls of the house. So it had like that smell of decaying blood. And they went out and found real dead animals roadkill by the side of the road, both, um, you know, in various stages of decomposition and also real animal bones and put them on the set and made things out of them. So, you know, there's no air conditioning in this house, very little ventilation, and you have these, it's 100 degrees every day, everyone's sweaty, and the costumes are not being washed it all, and you have real decaying animal flesh, um, all around. So it just stank, um, was not a pleasant, not a pleasant shoot at all. Um, and in some cases there's actually real human blood used. Um, Marilyn Burns actually, uh, consented to have them really cut her finger, um, so it would bleed, uh, in a, uh, famous dinner scene later in this movie. Um, and Toby Hooper stated that by the time of the rap party, pretty much every single person, cast, and crew had sustained some kind of injury while making this film, and that everyone by the end of shooting hated him. And he, Toby Hooper, said it actually took years for the cast and crew to you know kind of be okay with him again um and the texas chainsaw massacre is a movie that they were aiming for a pg rating uh there was no pg 13 rating at this time the factor that we'll talk about again and when we're talking about poltergeist um so there is very 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 little gore in this movie which is not what you expect because i feel like Texas Chainsaw Massacre has this mythology about it. It is one of the goriest, most gruesome horror movies ever made. And it's absolutely not. Uh, you You don't see the really horrific stuff happen. Like, you might watch this movie and think that you see a character get cut in half with a chainsaw, or you see a meat hook going into a person's back as they're hung on it, but you don't. Um, All that's done off-camera, you see reactions to it, but you don't actually see the gore itself, Um, which I think is a huge part of what makes this movie so powerful, is that suggestion of unspeakable things happening. Um, So Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not the goriest, most gruesome horror movie ever made. Is it one of the most terrifying horror movies ever made? Absolutely, yes, it is. So I highly recommend that you check this movie out, especially if you've never seen it. If you have, it's a great time to watch it again. Uh, It is also a beautifully shot movie. There are just images in this film that... Or just gorgeous, gorgeous cinematography, um, sort of alongside this grotesque horror. Um, So it's very, like, reminds me a lot of The Devils by Ken Russell in that way, too. But anyway, enough of my babbling. Watch The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and you should watch it on Shudder, hosted by Joe Bob Briggs in his Dinners of Death. That is the best way to experience this film. So do that and then we'll come back for our second Toby Hooper feature of the night. And this is the beautiful ethereal main theme music of Poltergeist, directed by Toby Hooper, released in 1982. And this music is written by the great composer Jerry Goldsmith, um, who composed so, so many indelible film scores over the course of his long career. Um... Poltergeist is a movie that was conceived and produced by Steven Spielberg. Um, he couldn't direct this movie because he had a clause in a con- in his contract that he couldn't work on another movie the same... direct another movie the same year that E.T. the Extraterrestrial was being made, and those movies E.T. and Poltergeist actually came out in the same month, uh, June of 1982... Um, And there have been persistent rumors throughout the years that Steven Spielberg actually directed most of this movie, um, which is not true. Um, Toby Hooper directed this movie. Um, He is actually the one who came up with the concept of what became Poltergeist, because originally Spielberg wanted to do a science fiction movie about a child being abducted by aliens and transported to another world. Um, And Toby Hooper is the one who came up with the idea of making it a ghost story involving a family, and that's what calls the script to be written. And when you know Steven Spielberg's sort of quality as a director, um, you know... Jaw, keep jaws aside. Keeping jaws in mind, uh, there is so much in poltergeist that is way, way, way more frightening and goes further um, in scariness than Spielberg would ever do post Jaws, um, which this is. Um, so this this is Toby Hooper's movie. What is. What is true is that Spielberg, as a producer, was very, very excited and enthusiastic about Poltergeist. And so he was on set almost every day. Um, and this was Toby Hooper's biggest budget sort of mainstream movie. Yet in his career, and you know Spielberg's the producer, so you're gonna you know listen to suggestions he has to say, which Toby Hooper did, um, and by all accounts did not mind it. But uh, this dispute over who directed Poltergeist—Spielberg or Toby Hooper—really played out in the press. Um, the Directors Guild of America got involved in settling the dispute at the time. Um, and it really, I think did a lot to hinder Toby Hooper's career. Um, like he he, ne- he made uh, movies after this, including Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 uh, but nothing that really approached this level of mainstream big budget again, which I think is a real shame, because I think Toby Hooper is a great filmmaker, and I think it is because of Toby Hooper's vision that Poltergeist is the really successful scary movie that it is. Um Poltergeist is really, I think, notable because of its setting, which is perfect for the early nineteen eighties, and that it's set in, you know, one of those development communities in in the suburbs or the all American regular working class families living in their houses and all the kids playing in the yards you know and the adults drinking beer and watching the and watching the football game while you know kids run around and play it really captures that whole atmosphere of just total utter normalcy um, which I think is brilliant because that is what makes, the supernatural events when they occur so frightening because you don't expect it to happen in this world. Like it's not a dark, there is nothing dark and spooky or sinister about the world this movie takes place in. It's normal. It looks, it could be your house or, you know, your neighbor's house. And then this crazy dark stuff begins to happen. And, uh, The special effects in this film by Industrial Light and Magic are really, really exceptional. You know, this movie came out in 1982, and I think the special effects still hold up tremendously well today. Uh, The actors in this movie are all really great as well. Um, You have Joe Beth Williams and Craig T. Nelson as, you know, the parents or the you know, every, every day mom and dad, um, and their marriage is depicted in a really fun way. Like they're just normal parents, like, but they are goofy with one another, still sexual with one another. Um, it's just really delightful. You have Dominique Dunn, um, rest in peace as the eldest daughter, Dana, uh, Dominique Dunn was tragically murdered by her boyfriend, uh, not long after Poltergeist was released and, uh, is one of the first of many instances, um, that have led people to believe that Poltergeist is a cursed film. Um, Oliver Robbins plays the young, plays the young son who is terrified of clowns and, learns in this movie that his fear of the clown doll is totally justified, which that's the scene that has launched a million phobias and nightmares in children um, of the 80s and beyond. Uh, You have the angelic Heather O'Rourke as Carol Ann, uh, the young daughter who speaks to the people in the tv she hears voices coming from the static of the television set and eventually is taken by whatever this force is in the house and uh, i'm 35 so i'm I, I think of the last generation that really remembers the time when tv station channels went off the air you know at a certain time Early in the morning, like, they would play the Star-Spangled Banner and then you, it would go to the to the snow, that just staticky snow. Um, that, that's not a thing anymore, um, which is, I think, why you can't remake this movie today, because it wouldn't work. They tried to remake this movie and it was a piece of shit, uh, and they're trying to remake it again, like, five years later. Stupid. Um Pul- this is the only poltergeist that will ever exist uh, for me. Uh, you have Beatrice Strait, uh, who is a paranormal investigator um, that the Freeling family enlist to try and find out what's going on. Beatrice Strait was distinguished stage actor. She was the original. Uh, Elizabeth Proctor in the original Broadway production of Arthur Miller's play The Crucible Uh, and she also won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for Network in which she has one scene that is less than 10 minutes long where she uh, blasts her husband for leaving her for another woman and she won an Oscar for that like less than 10 minute long scene and deserved it. She's brilliant. She's very, very good in this movie, too. But I think the real, real MVP of Poltergeist and one of my favorite horror movie performances of all time, should have been nominated for an Oscar for it, is Zelda Rubinstein as Tangina Barron's The Psychic. Uh, Zelda Rubenstein was a... A smaller, statured person, uh, which is how she want. It's how she, you know, prefer preferred to be talked about. Um, she was from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and then became an actor. And this was her first uh, big movie. And she comes in like seventy five percent of the way through it, and kind of explains the whole thing of what's going on. Apologize for the helicopter that's flying over my. Apartment right now, Uh, and she just give. She has this monologue that just goes on for minutes and minutes and minutes, where the camera is just on her face, and I think it is one of the great horror movie monologues. You know, going all all up there with, you know, going back to early this month when I talked about Ava Moore's. You know, they were all godless here. Monologue in the old dark house. Tangina's monologue. Explaining what the other side is, um, is another one of the great, great horror monologues, impeccably performed. She's brilliant as Tangina. Um, so there uh, are there were two sequels made to Poltergeist, um, Poltergeist Two, The Other Side, which had most, which had everyone in the original cast except for Dominique Dunn, who tragically was murdered um and then poltergeist 3 which only has heather o'rourke and zelda rubinstein in it um both movies are nowhere near anywhere near as good as poltergeist is but both poltergeist 2 the other side and poltergeist 3 i think both have things to recommend them um Chiefly among them, Zelda Rubenstein's work. Uh, Zelda Rubenstein also uh, hosted the MTV uh, series Scariest Places on Earth. She was the narrator for that. Uh, She also uh, was in a Skittles commercial that ran for years and years and years in the late 90s, early 2000s, where she said, Taste the rainbow, and her just... Unforgettable, unique voice. And Zelda Rubinstein was also a very, very huge advocate in the fight against HIV and AIDS and an advocate for queer people in general. Um, she was one of the first sort of movie star celebrities to come out um, as an HIV/AIDS. Activist um, to try and promote awareness and help uh, for people who have the disease. Um, She I just love Zelda Rubinstein. I can't, I can't say enough about her. Uh, but but I'll, I'll, I'll stop for now. Just She's brilliant in Poltergeist. She's absolutely wonderful. Um, shortly after... Uh, well, shortly before, actually, Poltergeist 3 had finished filming, Heather O'Rourke, who played uh, Carol Ann in all three Poltergeist movies, and did wonderful, wonderful, indelible work, also died. Um, and she died very young uh and she was misdiagnosed um she was being treated for a condition that she did not have and had the doctors realized what was actually wrong with her they easily could have put her on the right medication and she would still be alive today Um, but her death like the death of dominique dunn both tragically dying at very Early Ages, um, Dying Too Young also contributed to the theories that poltergeist is cursed. Um, If you have Shudder, to continue our theme from earlier, which you should if you're a horror fan, uh, there is a Shudder original series called Cursed Films, uh, and they do an episode about poltergeist. um, And also an episode about The Exorcist as well, among uh, several others. Um, So that's something interesting to check out, too. Um, anyway, highly recommend that you check out Poltergeist, especially if you've never seen it. If you have seen it, watch it again because it is truly a horror movie classic and you got to see Zelda Rubenstein as Tangina. She's so, so good. Anyway, watch Poltergeist and we'll come back and we'll close out the night. My friends, thank you for joining me for another edition of 62 Horror Movies with Josh Hitchens. That's me. Tomorrow night is... Oh, it's going to be fun. Because we're going to have a spooky 70s night. And we are going to watch, obviously, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Followed by an underrated and underseen gem... Halloween with the new Adams Family, which was made in 1977, featuring the original cast from the 1960s TV show. So that's what we're going to watch tomorrow night. Until then, my friends, happy Halloween.